Welcome to the Coming Out of the Dark Bible Study with Pastor John. Tonight's study will be in the book of Galatians. We invite you to join us at One Oakley Avenue in North Providence, Rhode Island. This podcast is presented to you by The Way Ministries, supported by listeners like you. For donations, live videos, podcasts, and more, please visit www.thewayministriesri.org. Thank you and have a great day. Welcome to the Coming Out of the Dark Bible Study. I want to thank everyone for coming out tonight to get a portion of God's Word. Amen. First and foremost, I'd like to thank our Lord and Savior tonight, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus, for saving us, opening our eyes, and giving us a new life, spiritual life, and a new purpose here. Thank you for saving us and doing for us what we could never, ever do for ourselves. Amen. I'd like to thank the people here, the faithful people that support the ministry to keep it going, and all the people in the ministry, one body. Many parts. We all need each other for that this to function properly. If you do have a cell phone, can you please silence it so it doesn't disturb tonight's service? And we'll bow our heads forward to prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for allowing us this awesome opportunity together tonight, Lord, to gather together, to worship, honor, and glorify you, Lord. Place your name above all names, Lord, even our own. As all of us fight to put you first in our lives, Lord, Thank you for your gracious gift of salvation, Lord. For without it, Lord, we wouldn't have the foundation that we stand on. Christ, the solid rock, Lord. Thank you for that, Lord. Without that, Lord, we wouldn't be able to function as a Christian. Thank you for giving us your spirit, Lord. So we can grow in grace and knowledge, Lord. And become more and more like your son, the Lord Jesus, Lord. So we can show the lost and dying world that we truly do belong to you, Lord. And we can glorify you with lives worthy of the call, Lord. And we just pray for the people that are not uh, sick tonight, Lord. We pray for Mike, Drew's father, that we pray that his, that the doctors keep their, you keep your hands over the doctors, Lord, and help him, restore him back to us, Lord. And let, and let, let, let him know that you're with him and never going to leave him nor forsake him. And that there's always something to glean out of everything that you do in our lives, Lord. We also pray for Kathy's husband that he's suffered a couple of heart attacks, and we just pray that you bring him back whole, Lord, and you just touch his heart, Lord. Put your heart and your spirit in him, Lord, and just bring him back to us, Lord. And as, as always, let everything we do tonight be led by your spirit, Father, and not our flesh. And it's in Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen and amen. Okay, we're going to stand. Brittany's going to come up and sing when we get started. Yeah. 
Thanks, Brett. What a beautiful song that is, huh? How's everybody doing tonight, okay? It's good to see everybody, as always. Get a portion of God's Word. It's always good to be with God's people. Turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 1. We're going to start there tonight as we continue our study in Galatians. Just a reminder, the Holy Spirit is going to be taken over, so please prepare your hearts for the message. The Spirit is going to speak to the church tonight. Amen? Okay. 2 Timothy chapter 1, we're going to start in verse 6. Apostle Paul talking to Timothy. He's going to become a pastor. Timothy had a lot of fear and anxiety in him, like most people do when they decide to serve the Lord. And Paul encourages Timothy. It's always good to encourage people as they go on this journey because it's not an easy journey to walk. Paul always built people up before he told them what needed to be done. It's always good. Verse 6. This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. Verse 7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. So all these things are spirits. <clears throat> They're not emotions. Spirit of fear, spirit of timidity, spirit of love, spirit of power, spirit of self-discipline or self-control. These are all fruits of the spirit. Verse 8. So never be ashamed to tell others about the Lord. And don't be ashamed of me either, even though I'm in prison for him. With the strength God gives you, be ready to suffer with me for the sake of the good news. So he tells us God's going to give us the strength he's going to give you and be ready to suffer. All of us are going to go through suffering as Christians, as we're here in a fallen world. For God saved us and called us to live a holy life. Now, a holy life is a separated life. It's not uh, anything but, well, we don't live by the ways of the world. We live by the ways of the word. That's simply, he tells us to come up out of the world and go by the ways of the word. Then it says, he did this not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan from before the beginning of time, to show us his grace through Christ Jesus. So God knew us before the world was even created. He was already on, we were already on his mind, and he knew exactly what he was going to do in our lives. And all we have to do is make a choice to accept that and receive it, and he will work in each and every one of our lives. But it's a choice. In verse 10, And now he has made all of this plain to us by the appearing of Christ Jesus our Savior. He broke the power of death and illuminated the way to life and immortality through the good news. And God chose me to be a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of this good news. What a great scripture. That's great. Thank you for sharing that with us. Put that up there. Laurie, put that up there tonight. Good job, Laurie. Let the Spirit speak. All of us have a call from God. All of us have a gift. It's one body with many parts. And it's up to us to study, let God clean us up, and use us 
to help to keep the body functioning. There's a lot of parts to a body. We all need to help each other and function properly. Amen? We're not here to tear each other down or look at what's wrong with people. We're here to see what our gifts are and build each other up. Look, if you want to find something wrong with somebody, it only takes five minutes. We all have something wrong with us. We're born into a fallen world. We're born into this sin nature. There's nothing we can do about it. It's in our, it's in our cell structure. And it's, we're not going to be rid of it till we go home to be with him. But simply when we come to Christ Jesus, he says, I'm going to give you the power to say no to it now. And yes, to the power of my spirit, by the power of my spirit, I'm going to let you overcome and do things you never ever were able to do in the flesh. And in most Christians try to do this, I'm going to be good today in the flesh. And you know that that doesn't work. You can be good for like five or ten minutes and then the, the tape stops playing and all bets are off. Amen. So that's why we have to grow spiritually. That's what this ministry is all about, spiritual growth. That was great scripture. All right, turn with me to um, Galatians chapter 5. We're going to continue in Galatians 5 tonight. I'm going to summarize it a little bit before we get back into the scriptures. Galatians chapter 5. I'm going to summarize it a little bit. Just hold your finger there. The Apostle Paul concluded in Galatians 4 by urging the Galatian Christians to choose the freedom offered by Christ rather than enslave themselves to following the law. That theme continues in Galatians 5 and culminates in one of the most, more famous passages of the New Testament. Make sure to read. We're going to read Galatians 5 and we're going to dig a little deeper. The major themes of Galatians 5, in many ways, Galatians 5.1 is a great summary of everything Paul wanted the Galatians to understand. Christ has liberated us to be free. Stand firm and don't get submit again to the yoke of slavery. The contrast between freedom and slavery continues to be his major thrust in the first half of Galatians 5. Paul goes so far as to say that if the Galatians persisted in their attempts to follow the Old Testament law, including the ritual of circumcision, that Christ would not benefit be a benefit to them at all. I could tell this in verse 2. Righteousness through their own actions in their own attempts to try harder, the more they would alienate themselves from the righteousness of Christ. Same with us. Obviously, this was a big deal, and it still is a big deal. In verses 7 to 12, Paul again reminds the Galatians that they had been on the right path, but the false teachings of the Judaizers had knocked them astray. He urged them to fulfill the law by loving their neighbors as themselves. A reference to Matthew 22, 37-40. But to rely on the grace of God for salvation. The second half of the chapter contains a contrast between a life lived through the flesh and a life lived through the power of the Holy Spirit. This leads into a discussion of the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit which is a very common idea among Christians, although often misunderstood. And we're going to try to clarify that. One of the single verses that Paul was particular about, because it's a bit of an eye popper, it says, I wish those who are disturbing you might also themselves be castrated, Galatians 5.12, or cut off. Yikes! Paul was so frustrated at the people causing spiritual damage to his flock 
that expressed a desire for their circumcisions to become something different entirely. He was legitimately angry at self-proclaimed followers of God who abused followers of God just as Jesus was. But the most famous portion of Galatians 5 contains Paul's reference to the fruit of the Spirit. And we will get into that. So some of the key themes, as with the previous chapters in Galatians, Paul's major theme here is a continued attack on the idea that people can earn their way into a relationship with God by obeying the Old Testament law. Paul continually refutes that concept as a form of slavery. He continually begs the Galatians to accept the freedom of salvation through faith in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. A secondary theme in this chapter is the logical consequences of both ways of thinking. <clears throat> when we attempt to live under our own power, listen up now, in our own strength, we produce works of the flesh, which are damaging to us and others, immorality, impurity, idolatry, and so on. When we surrender to the Holy Spirit, however, we naturally produce the fruit of the Spirit in the same way that an apple tree naturally produces apples. The difference between the two systems is striking, which is why Paul continued to hammer home the many reasons for choosing freedom in Christ rather than slavery to a legalistic approach. And get an amen for this. And that's why Galatians 5 is so important. And we're going to break it down so we understand it. Okay. We left off last week in verse 11, but we're going to have to back up a little to keep the contest. Um, going verse 5, <clears throat> we're going to keep coming forward. Galatians chapter 5, verse 5. Is everybody there? Okay, pay attention now, all right? Don't let me lose you. <laughs> the devil's always trying to scramble our minds so we don't hear this. We've got to actually stay focused. But we who live by the Spirit eagerly wait to receive by faith the righteousness God has promised to us. For when we place our faith in Christ Jesus, there is no benefit in being circumcised or being uncircumcised. What's he saying? There's no benefit in following the rules of religion. It says, what is important is faith expressing itself in love. That's what's important in the Christian life. My faith in God and my faith is expressing itself in love. 1 Corinthians 13 love. Unconditional love for God, unconditional love for myself, and unconditional love for others. Big amen there. That's what, that's what counts. And the only way that's going to be accomplished is through the power of the Holy Spirit. We can't accomplish that in the flesh. How many times do we fail sometimes and say, I hate myself sometimes? Like you say that all the time, I hate myself sometimes. Why do I do that? And God said, that's a sin for you to hate yourself. I died so you can love yourself. Because if you can't love yourself unconditionally, there's no way you'll ever be able to love anybody else unconditionally. You cannot give somebody something you don't possess. Amen? 
And most of us put conditions on our friendships and our relationships. These people are mean, they're rude, I can't talk to them, I don't love them. They keep score, they keep record of what happened to them in the past. Every day you wake up, the Bible tells us to forget what happened yesterday and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, Christ forgave you, so you must forgive others. And the only way that's going to be accomplished is through the Holy Spirit, as he gives us holy amnesia to forget what's wrong and only think about what's right. Big amen there, right? That's why it's the Holy Spirit. And some people just say, I just can't forgive them. I just can't go near them. I just can't talk to them. What they did. Well, yeah, that's the flesh. None of us can do that in the flesh. Of course not. But in the spirit, you can say, you know what? God forgave me of everything. Who am I to hold anything against anyone? That is the height of arrogance and pride. So if we do that, we're saying the spirit is not operating. My heart is operating. That's why we have to let it go and give it to God. Because we can't represent him properly when we have resentments and bitterness in our heart. It's because the Bible tells us to get rid of it. Okay, in verse 7, he said, you were running the way so well. So, okay, in verse 6, we are saved by faith, not by deeds. But love for others and for God is the response to those whom God has forgiven. God's forgiveness is complete. And Jesus said that those who are forgiven much, love much. Luke 7, 47. Because faith expresses itself through love, you can check your love for others as a way to monitor your faith. Who has held you back from following the truth? Paul says now in verse 8. It certainly isn't God, for he's the one who called you to freedom. This false teaching is like a little yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough. Uh, all right, in verse 9, a little yeast causes a whole lump of dough to rise. It only takes one wrong person to infect all the others. That's why we have to make sure the pure, this church stays pure. Amen? We don't want infectious teachings to come in there. We have to make sure that we're, we're ruled by what the Bible tells us. This is um, We go by the law of love here. Not of anything else or any kind of religion or denomination. Amen? We go by what the Bible teaches us here. And that's what our owner's manual is for this church. And it will always be that. Now it says... I am, verse 10, I'm trusting the Lord to keep you from believing false teaching. Now, he's saying he's trusting the Lord to keep you from believing false teachings. What's he saying there? He's trusting that the word of God, right, will keep you from believing false doctrine. That's why you have to read the Bible so nobody can trip you up. Because there's all kinds of stuff on TV that sounds so spiritual and good, but it's taken out of context. And it, and, it, and it trips people up and it, it gives them false teaching. The worst thing, the devil loves to mix truth with lies. That's why if you read the Bible from Genesis to Revelations, you can't get messed up by it. I say, no, that's not right. Right? That's why I tell everybody to read the Bible. Now, verse 10, I'm trusting the Lord to keep you from believing false teachings. God will judge that person, whoever he is, who has been confusing you. All right, now verse 11 is where we left off. Let's continue. Dear brothers and sisters, if I were still preaching that you must be circumcised, as some say I do, 
Why am I still being persecuted? If I were no longer preaching salvation through the cross of Christ, no one would be offended. Okay, in verse 11, persecution proved that Paul was preaching the true good news. If he had taught what the false teachers were teaching, no one would be offended. But because he was teaching the truth, he was persecuted by both Jews and Judaizers. Have friends or loved ones rejected you because you have taken a stand for Jesus? Jesus said not to be surprised if the world hates you because it hated him first. John 15, 18 and 19. So when you're living right, teaching right, doing the right thing, you're going to get people, they're going to persecute you and judge you and talk about you. So that's how you know you're doing something right. So if you, Paul says, I can't, I can't, if I'm here to please people, I can't be a servant of God. Because the word of God cuts through the flesh and, to, and goes right to the heart of the matter. So when you're preaching the truth, people who don't want to live by the truth, well, what? Talk bad about you, persecute you, say all kinds of bad things. What did Jesus do wrong? Anything? What was he doing? Helping people, healing them, raising dead people, healing the sick people. And they said, let's kill him. He's getting the crowds away from us. So don't think it's don't be surprised when you're trying to live right. Listen, don't cave in to please people. Stand for the truth and God will protect you. Amen. Don't ever wander from the truth just so you can make friends out there. Let me tell you something. The Holy Spirit will lead you to the friends you need to get to. Don't try to don't don't try to please people. Because you ever try to please somebody? You can't. You please them one day. You go from hero to zero in 24 hours. One thing you say no to them that you can't do it, ah, they, they'll start talking about you. As long as you're doing everything good for them, they love you. As soon as you say no to them, start tripping about you, complaining. They're not friends, trust me. They're just using you to get what they want. A, a true friend will take it through the good and the bad and the ugly and still be by your side. Okay. So persecution proved that he was teaching it. Okay. He was persecuted by Jews. Jesus said not to be surprised. Okay. Just as Paul continued to faithfully proclaim the message about Christ. You should continue doing the ministry God has given you. In spite of the obstacles others may put in your way. Now if we look back. When we first started the ministry, my wife will tell you the obstacles we had to go through to get here. And we remained faithful. And God opened doors as we remained faithful and patient. Amen? So don't ever give up. Each part of his body is very precious. We need each one of you here to help proclaim this and get it going. Amen? So don't ever think you're not important. The devil's going to make you think that you're not important. No, we're all important to God. One body with many parts. Okay. Verse 12. I just wish that those troublemakers who want to mutilate you by circumcision would mutilate themselves or castrate themselves or cut themselves off from you. 
The Greek reads, cut themselves off. Now look what it says in verse 13. This is important now. Now we're going to get to some of the meat of this chapter. For you have been called to live in freedom. Now people think, take freedom as a not a responsibility. Being free to make the right choice is a big responsibility, amen? God turns it back on us and said, I'm going to give you a power to do the right thing, but you're free to make the right choice or the wrong one. Look what it says. You've been called to live in freedom, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sin nature or your flesh. Use your freedom. What do I'm supposed to use my freedom to do? Serve one another in love. Okay, Paul distinguishes between freedom to sin and freedom to serve. Okay, freedom or license to sin is no freedom at all. Because it enslaves you to Satan, others, or your own sinful nature. Christians, by contrast, should not be slaves to sin because they are free to do the right thing and to glorify God through loving service to others. How about a big amen to that? There's so many people you hear, oh, I'm free, I can do whatever I want. The Bible says, yeah, you're allowed to do anything, but not everything's good for you. And you must not get enslaved to anything. For the whole law, verse 14, can be summed up in this one command. <clears throat> Love your neighbor as yourself. And that comes from Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18. That's how far back it goes. Look what it says in verse 15. But if you are always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. You mean a church can actually devour each other and destroy each other? Absolutely. We never, listen, when we come in the church, we're supposed to leave our flesh at the door. Come in here in the spirit. When you come here in the spirit, we're in agreement on everything. When you come in here in the flesh, you're in disagreement on everything. And you what, complain, you bicker, you talk about people, you, you, you run people down, and it says beware of destroying one another. Can Christians destroy each other? Absolutely. Never takes away our free will. It's so important. When we believers lose the motivation of love, listen up now. We become critical of others. We stop looking for good in them and see only their faults. Soon we lose our unity. Have you talked behind someone's back? Have you focused on others' shortcomings instead of living by the power of the Holy Spirit? Can any of us in here honestly say they never did that? We'd all be lying, right? But now, there's a consequence to doing that because you can destroy somebody. You can make somebody walk out the door and never come back again by running them down in church. We're not here to do that. We're here to live by the Spirit and love people. So when you come to church, you come with your heart prepared and you come in the Spirit to help build each other's up. Listen, you come to church complaining about stuff, you're coming in the flesh. We don't come to church in the flesh. We come to church to crucify the flesh. And be grateful that we have a church to come to. Be grateful that the lights are on. 
Be grateful that the doors are open. Be grateful that we're free to do it. When you come with an attitude of gratitude, it'll take all the complaining right out of your heart. And say, I'm going to look at what's good at my church, not what's wrong with it. Because there's something wrong with everything. And you can see it. We're making improvements here, one at a time, little at a time, right? You know, if you want to become part of the solution, and whatever you're complaining about, jump in and help out and get it, get it resolved. If there's something that needs to be done, say, use me! Instead of, no, you get involved. Say, look, you know, let me be part of the solution. Instead of complaining about it, let me see what I can do for the ministry. How about a big amen for that? It tells we're freedom to serve one another, not freedom to serve ourselves. That's awesome, right? Okay. Look at verse 16. Living by the Spirit's power. Who wants to live by the Spirit's power? We all do, right? Well, here it is. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. See it? So we're guided by the Holy Spirit, which is the Word of God. Exactly. The Holy Spirit is the guide, is the Word of God. We're using the principles of the Bible in our lives now. That's the Holy Spirit guiding us. It's not some mystical thing in the sky. The Holy Spirit is the Bible. It says, let the Bible guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. Now, everybody has this struggle, the flesh and the spirit, right? It's, now, let me explain that a little bit. Paul describes the two forces fighting within us, okay? The Holy Spirit and the sin nature are evil desires or inclinations that stem from our bodies, like it tells us in 5, 16, 19, and 24. Paul is not saying that these forces are equal, the Holy Spirit is infinitely stronger. But if we rely on our own wisdom, we will make the wrong choices. If we try to follow the Spirit by our own human effort, we will fail. Our only way to freedom from our evil desires is through the empowering of the Holy Spirit. Can I get an email for this? Now, the only way to freedom from our evil desires is through the empowering of the Word of God. You see, the Word of God is where the power is. The power is in the words of God, which is the Holy Spirit, which is Jesus, which is the Trinity. The Trinity is the Bible. That's what it's going to talk about in Romans 8, which we are we're doing homework on, right? We're going to be talking about that Sunday, Romans 8. So if you haven't done it, get in there and read it. Ephesians 4 and Colossians 3. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. Why? Because when you're being followed by the Spirit, it's the Spirit of love. Love does no wrong to anybody. If you come here prepared with the right Spirit, you're not doing anything wrong. You're not talking about people. You're not in it for your own selfish desires. 
You're here to serve. You're here to love. You're glad to see your brothers and sisters. There's no evil running through your mind. Take any amen for this. Okay. Look at verse 19. Now he's going to tell us when we're following the flesh or when we're following the spirit. Now this is a good barometer to see what you're following. When you follow the desires of your sin nature, which is in everyone, the results are very clear. Okay, when you're in your sin nature, sexual immorality, the number one thing in churches today that is not talked about enough is sexual immorality and pornography that men and women are wrapped up in that keep their mouth shut about should is supposed to be exposed and repented of and confessed. Because if it's not, it's going to hold power over you and it can ruin the church. You come into the church with that kind of spirit in you, you can ruin the whole church. So it's up to us to what? Repent of it, confess it, and let God heal it. Amen? It's powerful. It's the first one. Impurity. Lustful pleasures. Idolatry. What's idolatry? Idolatry is anything you put over God is an idol. Anything you put before God is an idol. It could even be your wife. It could be your house. It could be your business. It could be your job. It could be anything that you put over God. God has to come first, and he won't take anything. And he won't come in second place. He has to come first. Okay? That's what, that's what idolatry is. What's sorcery? Witchcraft. Pharmakeo, pharmaceuticals, mind-altering drugs, sorcery. It's in the Bible. People take mind-altering drugs and the devil gets hold of them. Hostility, right? Quarreling. How many of us still quarrel? Huh? I'm not talking about the deep stuff. Look, quarreling. Just bickering at each other. Quarreling. I hear people in church quarreling with each other. That's the flesh. That's not the spirit. You can read the Bible, come to church every day, say I've been a Christian for 30-something years, you can quarrel. Say, well, I'm still in the flesh. I haven't grown spiritually. I'm still a baby. Right? What else? Jealousy. Jealous of what people have. Or jealous what spiritual gift God's given somebody. Say, I want that gift. Instead of saying, God, Show me what my gift is. Be happy for that. Outbursts of anger. Anybody got any anger issues here? Don't even raise your hand. We all have them. I have anger issues. Believe me. <clears throat> if I let my flesh get the hold of me, I can black out with anger. And I can't even control it. It says it gives a foothold to the devil. He ain't kidding. Whatever comes out of this mouth after I'm angry, there's nothing from God. Do I still have that in me? Absolutely. I got a sin nature. I have a choice. I have to what? Not let it come out. I have to what? Use the power of the Holy Spirit to say no to it. I can feel it. You know, as anybody know, when you start to get angry, you can feel it coming up your spine. And if you let it erupt, it's like a volcano of what? Poison. That's what possession is. When it comes out of your mouth and you can't control it, you are now being possessed by the devil. You don't even realize it. The devil's possessing you. 
works. Because you can't stop till it runs its course. Then after you say, sorry, I didn't mean that. Yes, you did. God's showing you your heart. What comes out of your mouth is really what's in your heart. And anger is the barometer. God raises the pressure cooker so he can show you what's really how ugly you really are. He shows us. When I get angry, I am the most ugliest, de devilish person on the planet. How about you? Is everybody praising Jesus when they're angry? Oh, we're going to have a bunch of church fake people in here. Oh, I'm good. Goody good. Stop lying. We don't lie here. We're trying to get better. We're here in church to get better. Everybody gets set off at points and the, God shows us how bad we really are. Whenever we think we're getting somewhere, God says, you ain't getting nowhere. It's me, not you. I'm going to show you. know what God does? He hides. And he says, I'm going to let you come out now just so you can see how ugly you really are. And he'll show you your anger breasts. And then whatever comes out of your mouth is the real you. Then you could say, no wonder why I need a savior. I can't save myself. I can't stop doing it. Okay. That ain't it. Selfish ambition. What's selfish ambition? Always thinking of yourself. So well, I can't be there because I have something better to do. It's all about me. It's not about my church and the people of the church that need me. It's all about me. I can't be there because I have other things I have to do. Look, when people give me an excuse, look, it's only an hour. Really. You can do what you have to do after. But we need people here to what? Serve. We need people to take care of this. I can't do it all. God called me to preach. That's all I can do. I can't handle anything else but that. Although I do other stuff around. Yeah, I am. God has gifted me with, you know, you know I can, I'm mechanically inclined. I can help out. As much as I can, I do. Whatever your gift is, you know what you can do and what you're good at. Use it for the glory of God. God's gifted you to do it. Then it says, look, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness. Oh, my goodness. Look at all this stuff. Wild parties. And other sins like these. Then he's saying, let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of a life will not inherit the kingdom of God. What does that mean, will not inherit the kingdom of God? Does that mean I won't go to heaven? No. But you'll never enjoy what Jesus died to give you on this planet. Never. You'll be miserable and what, full of self. You'll never get touched by the Holy Spirit and live a life worthy of your call. Now, verse 22. But the Holy Spirit, which is in every believer, listen now, the Holy Spirit is in everyone sitting in this room if you're a believer. Now, if you're going to let him in, this is what he produces, which is the word of God produces this. It's the word of God that produces this kind of fruit, okay? Love, 1 Corinthians 13. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these things. Now, let me ask you this. We all have a long way to go, don't we? Be honest. But 
The beauty is we're going in the right direction. We're heading to the glory of God. It's one day at a time. We get the fruit of the Spirit and we start practicing it in our lives. It's a marathon, not a sprint. None of us are perfect, but that's the goal. By reading the Bible, listen, coming to church, reading your Bible, fellowshipping with other people, right? Using your gift produces that stuff. That's what produces the fruit. If you're not doing any of that, you can't produce that kind of fruit. Now, the fruit of the Spirit is the spontaneous work of the Holy Spirit in us. The Spirit produces the character traits that are found in the nature of Christ. They are the byproducts of Christ's control. We can't obtain them by trying to get them without his help. If we want the fruit of the Spirit to grow in us, we must join our lives to his. Like it tells us in John 15, 4-5, right? Apart from me, you can do nothing. We must know him. Listen now. We must know him, love him, remember him, and imitate him. Now, what is he talking? What are they talking about? Him. Okay. We must know the word, which is him. We must love the word, right? We must remember the word. And then we must imitate the word. Get it? See how it's all lined up? After you learn it, love it, remember it, then you what? Produce it. That's what that's the formula. It actually starts producing. But don't think. By coming to church, that's all that you have to do for that to be produced. That's not, doesn't do anything. It doesn't produce anything. That's what religion does. Oh, I go to Bible study, I go to church, I do this, that. But I don't follow any of it or apply any of it when I'm out there. There's no fruit. Okay. All right, so it tells us that. We must know him, love him, and as, as a result, listen now. We will fulfill the intended purpose of the law, to love God and our neighbors. That fulfills the whole thing. Which of these qualities do you want the Spirit to produce in you? Because the, because the God who sent the law also sent the Spirit, the byproducts of the Spirit-filled life are in perfect harmony with the intent of God's law. A person who exhibits the fruit of the Spirit fulfills the law far better than a person who observes the rituals but has little love in his or her heart. How about a big amen for that? There's a lot of religious systems out there that do not show the love of Jesus. They're full of what? Phariseeism and pointing fingers at people and condemning them. Now look at verse 24. Is everybody with me so far here? All right. Those who belong to Christ Jesus. Now listen up. Those who belong to Christ Jesus, which is the word of God, have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. What's he saying? He's saying, I, go, I gotta go to the cross. My sin nature has to go to that cross and get crucified. Every day has to go up there. Okay, in verse 24, in order to accept Christ as Savior, we need to turn from our sins 
and willingly nail our sinful nature to the cross. This doesn't mean, however, that we will never see traces of its evil desires again. As Christians, we still have the capacity to sin. I know. But we have been set free from the sin's power over us and no longer have to give in to it. How about an amen for that? We must daily commit our sinful tendencies to God's control, daily crucify them, and moment by moment draw on the Spirit's power to overcome them. Verse 25, we're going to finish the chapter. Since we are living by the Spirit, or the Word of God, listen up now, we're living by the Word of God, let us follow the Spirit or the Word of God's leading in every part of our lives. We have to apply this in every part. At home, hey, you got to put this into practice at home, when you get in your car, when you get with your friends, when you talk to your kids, when you go to work, when you come to church. It says in every part of our lives. Is that going to happen overnight? Absolutely not. But will it happen? Yes, it will happen. God said it would if you follow me. Let us not become conceited, which people get spiritual pride in them, or provoke one another, or be jealous of one another. Big amen there. That's an awesome chapter, isn't it? All right, we're going to close there tonight, just in time, at 8 o'clock. Go over Galatians 5 again and see what's operating in your life. Say, is my sin nature still working? Or am I playing church? Or let the Spirit flow on me. Amen? Can I get amen for this? All right. We're going to stop there. We're going to close. Drew, you want to come up and close us? And then we're going to have a, a video. Small heads. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for this message, Lord. Thank you for opening our eyes, Lord. I just pray that we always have an open heart to your word, Lord. I just pray that we evaluate our own lives, Lord, and just be honest with ourselves, Lord. And be honest at what the Spirit is doing in our lives, Lord. We, we know whether we're walking with you or, or walking away from you, Lord. And I just pray that we correct, correct ourselves before you correct us for us. And Lord, I just thank you for this message. Thank you for everybody who supports tonight. Lord, in Jesus' name I pray, amen.